Thank you for joining us for this DP City Church podcast. Connect, grow, serve. for God to do something? Get your Bibles out, hold them up. Say this with me out loud. This is my Bible. It's the living Word of God. Has the power to change lives. And I declare by faith that my life and the life of those around me will be changed by the Word. All right, go to the Gospel of John, chapter 16, and go into a holding pattern for a moment or so. You know, I want to say again what Pastor Susan has already mentioned about tonight. So many people have said, well, wait a minute, I thought you didn't believe in the, the signs of the Zodiac. And, I, you know, the, you thought it was evil. We do. We know it's evil until you understand where it actually came from. And when you understand that God started something that the the presence of evil, Lucifer, the devil, big red, slewfoot, whatever you want to call him, he warped them into the signs of the Zodiac. The signs of the Zodiac are demonic. We're going to teach you tonight how to witness to people that still, hopefully not you, believe in astrology and that they use it and they think it's helping them when it's really holding them back. You do not want to miss this, okay? So, be ready for it. Now, in uh, the Gospel of John chapter, chapter 16, let's do some real quick review because you know we're in a series moving towards uh, Resurrection Sunday. This is part three, bearing the truth backwards. Now, in this process, last week, we talked about the triumphant entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem. And we talked about what it meant and how it applies to us. And, and we're getting ready, right now, we're getting ready this Sunday for the three biggest days in human history. Never before have there ever been, nor will there be, three more important days than the days that are just ahead of us. And so in the process, we begin to understand <clears throat> that as we look at last week's review, the Gospel of John, chapter 16. Are you there? All right. Watch verse 12. Let's pick it up again. Listen to what he says to the disciples. The last night, just hours prior to him being on the cross. Listen to what he says to them. 
I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. You cannot bear them now. And listen to what he says. He says, I've got so much I want to tell you, but folks, I can't tell you this. I can't tell you right now, guys, because you're not ready. You're not spiritually ready. Why weren't they ready? They've been with him for three years. Because he had to do something so that they could become ready. Are you with me so far? So no, he isn't just saying, well, you guys, just you, you haven't grown up yet. He's saying, I can't give it to you yet because you're, it will never make sense until I do. You have no idea until I do what I'm going to do in the next few hours. Okay? So now, the word bear there means to believe, to endure, to walk out. He says, you can't walk out what I'm going to do. You can't walk this out. You can't live it. What I'm, what I'm teaching you right here, right now, he says, you can't live it until you're made ready. Okay, now watch what he does. Verse 13. He goes on to say, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come. That's the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says. He, the Holy Spirit, watch this, and they're probably going, he? Where are you going? They have no clue what's coming. We do. They didn't. So he sees a transference of himself to someone else. They don't get it. So again, read it. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you. Watch the transfer now. He's going to guide you just the way I've done it, but he's going to do it in a way that I couldn't. Now watch what he says. He said, guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. Watch this. But whosoever he shall, by whatsoever, I'm sorry, he shall hear. Now listen to what, he's talking about who? He's talking about the Holy Spirit, and he's saying, listen, there's someone coming. And they're going, we got you. We don't want somebody else. And, and, and he understands that they don't understand. They can't get it because they don't really know what's coming. So watch what he says. Whatsoever he shall hear. Now he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And it says, that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. So he's moving them into the future that we already know about. Are you with me? We already know what happened. They had no clue. Now, when he says, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, whatsoever he shall hear. Wait a minute. What is the Holy Spirit going to hear that he doesn't already know? He's the Spirit of truth, right? So he knows everything. So what's he going to hear? Who's he going to hear? He's the voice of God to Jesus on earth, and Jesus is the Word. So you got to ask yourself a question, okay? Now, we're, we're, we're dealing with this issue of looking back up. What does, and looking at things intensely. And when you ask yourself, what does, what's the Holy Spirit going to hear? What he's saying is what he's going to hear from you. What he's going to hear from you. Now, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> okay, the Holy Spirit... What, what, is he, what does he not already know 
What he's waiting to hear is, guys, how you will respond to what's going to happen. Does that make sense? So the Holy Ghost is not waiting on God. He is. He's waiting on who? Us. He's waiting on us to respond. Now, I know this is getting kind of kind of thick, but hang on, it's going to get worse, okay? Hear what the Holy Spirit is listening for. He's listening for you and I to listen to him as our guide. The one that's going to lead us into the future and through the circumstances of life. And so this is really very, very important because the word guide there means to be teachable. He wants us to be teachable. And if we can be teachable, he said, then you're going to learn how to bear it. You're going to learn how to so many things to endure, to take it up, and walk it out. I have so many things I want to tell you, but I can't. And he has so many things he wants to show you, but he can't. And he won't until something happens. Now, remember, they don't know what's going to happen by tomorrow morning. And until what happens in the morning to him when he's led to Calvary is the key to the Holy Spirit listening to us to hear from us how we respond to what's going to happen on Resurrection Sunday. That it's not just another Easter, you know, we, we, know we go through the process and everybody has a meal and everything, but this Resurrection Sunday, please, Lord Jesus, please, Holy Spirit, help us bear more. I want to know, I want to understand more about what this celebration is about. I don't want to just muddle through it and go through it and go, oh yeah, Jesus died. Oh yeah, Jesus has been resurrected. Okay, let's go to Christmas. This, in the world we live in, we need to understand, and we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is listening to each and every one of us to see how much he can tell us. See how much he can reveal to us about what really needs to... So he says, I have many things I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. So that means because we know that it was about the resurrection, we should be bearing more. We should be growing more. We should be hungry to know more about Jesus, not just to go to church, and how many people go to church and they serve their tour of duty and, you know, they go through the process and they say, well, okay, I went to church. If you're not learning something, what'd you go for? Try to decide. If you're not learning, what'd you go for? How many people go to church just to pull their tour of duty? And how many people go to church? And I, I'm not thinking of anybody. Okay, trust me. I'm not thinking of anybody. How many people go to churches and they just, they don't get anything? They either don't get anything because it isn't preached or they don't get anything because they ain't listening for something. Are you with me? You go to a teaching church because you're teachable. Does that make sense? And so in the process, we understand that this is about learning and growing. I don't want to go through another Easter and not learn something new. And I've done 53 Easter's since I was born again. 
and I am bound and determined I'm not going to go through 54 and not get something new. Are you with me? I don't regurgitate the same old stuff. Okay, I want something fresh. I want something new. You see, and when we begin to understand this, so the reason I've called this bearing the truth backwards, let me say it this way. Have you ever used a pair of binoculars? It's like if you take a pair of binoculars and you pick them up and look through the big end, big end, what happens? You look through the big end and everything is very, very small and way far off. And so many Christians are so willing to just grab the big end of things and go, let's do the easy part. Rather than say, listen, man, I'm going to live my Christian faith out in growing in the truth. And so what they do is they live with the things that Jesus said, I want you to bear. But they have them way out of the distance and they're so small. But it looks kind of like that. It's looking at that scenery through the big end of the binoculars. But if you flip the binoculars around, you see what you otherwise couldn't have seen. That it's about revelation. It's about seeing. It's about understanding. It's not about finding some new truth that nobody else knows. It's finding out what I don't know and then applying it. Give me more that I can take. Do you get that? I don't want to just, don't give me more brain knowledge unless my heart can handle it. Three people are awake and the rest are brain dead. Don't go. Did you get that? In other words, you got to be hungry. Don't go through this Resurrection Sunday, just muddle through and not go expecting a revelation. That you see the resurrection, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus in an entirely new way. Like we said last week, to understand the pain and the sorrow and the suffering he went through. But we, we get so caught up in the pain and the sorrow and the suffering that he did go through. But usually Christians know more about that than they do about the resurrection and the resurrection life flowing inside them. That the one that raised him from the dead has now come to take residence to sit on the throne of your and my life. So he's, that's why he says to them, you can't bear it now because you're looking through the wrong end of the binoculars. You got to get ready to get real and get up close. Get real. Let me tell you what's going on in the world right now. If you don't get real and get really up close to Jesus, you are going to get left behind. I don't mean left behind at the rapture. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. You're just going to get left behind. You're going to muddle along with all the other people that have just been going to church rather than being the church. Did you get that? 
You are a part of the church. You're a living stone. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. That the church that Jesus said he would build would be built out of living stones. Listen to what 1 Peter 2.24 says. Who is his own, in his own self bore our sins. We talked about that last week. In his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we've been healed. <clears throat> that you're never going to be perfect. You will never be perfect, nor will I. None of us will be. He understands. But he's not looking for perfect people. Listen to what I'm going to say now. This is Hopefully this will be a good revelation for you. He's not looking for good people. Looking for willing people. Willing and obedient. He didn't say good and obedient. He said willing and obedient. Ready to let the resurrection explode inside you and become real to you and I. That's what I want. I don't want to miss this on this Easter. And so we understand that I accept the personal possessive pronoun our. Remember when he says our sins? That's a personal possessive pronoun here and announces I'm looking at the binoculars and I'm saying I personally accept this issue about me. This is personal to me. This is about Jesus and this is about what I want him to do, what, what we want him to do to us. That, that come, make yourself more real. I don't want you, Jesus, to be a building and a piece of property. Hairs and media and, 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 and services. I want you to possess my heart. I want you to take over my life. I want you to possess me. I want you to make me sick in love with you. I'm, I, I, I didn't, I, I, man, I felt, I told Susan and I were talk, talking a couple of days ago. I said the very first date I went on with Susan was a get-to-know-you date, and I didn't even really consider it a date, but I did. But um, we sat at Denny's and drank iced tea for two hours. And, and, and what, what changed, what, what could, I, fell, I started falling in love with her right there at that con, and I told her a couple of days ago. She knows this is true. What, what was so strange to me was I actually had a conversation with a woman that felt the same way about Jesus that I did. And, 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 yet, and yet we understand that, that, if that if that happens between two people, it should happen between us and him. That, that I, want you to, I want you to understand my heart because I want, I want to understand yours. I want to understand how you feel about people. I don't want Resurrection Sunday to be one or seldom days, you know, where all the people that never go to church or seldom ever come to church will pack the joint out on Easter. And so we understand that in all this process, the Gospel of John chapter 19, look at this. Go to John 19 and watch this. Listen to, listen to what it says in John 19, verse 18. It's where they crucified him and two others with him on one side and Jesus in the midst. Remember now, Jesus is on the cross now. 
It's a Friday night, this coming Friday. Okay? He's going to be captured, and he's going to end up being on the cross. And there's a thief on each side. Listen to what it says, verse 19. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. It's just outside the city. Watch. And it was written in Hebrew and in Greek and in Latin, three of the primary languages. And then said the chief priest of the, of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Listen to Pilate. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Something was stirring inside Pilate. I'm not claiming that Pilate was born again. Even though there are some, there are some letters written and there are things that have been recorded that, that, that there's, a, there's a book, I won't even mention the name of it because I can't verify if it's all true. But there are books written about letters written by Pilate who was in charge of Israel, what we call the region of Israel now, for Rome. He was a Roman procurator, and he had to report to Caesar with letters. And he wrote a letter to Caesar about Jesus. And there are so many things about wondering what Pilate actually meant when he said to the Jews, I've written what I've written. And it will be so. Listen to pick it up, verse 23. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garment, made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from top to bottom throughout. And they said, therefore, among themselves, let, not it rend it, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, for whose it will belong to pick it up, and, and they, depart, they parted my raiment among themselves, for my vesture they did cast lots. What's interesting is it says that they cast lots. In Psalms, it's written that one day they would cast lots for the garment of the Messiah. Thousands of years before that Roman soldiers would dicker over the garment when the power wasn't in the garment. And the value wasn't in the garment. It was in the one being rendered. And so they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. And so we understand that as we move towards Resurrection Sunday, we understand that the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and I is so we can understand more, so we can bear it. That if we can get beyond just making Jesus a religious encounter where he becomes personal and he becomes relational and that you walk with him and you talk with him, that you, have, that you know him in a way like you know your own friends. Why is it that, that, that we know friends? Most people know their friends, maybe not their spouse, but they know their friends better than they know him that let this Resurrection Sunday be a time where the reality of who Jesus really is to us come to bear, that we can bear the truth, that Isaiah said that he would suffer in an enormous way, 
I read to you last week. If you weren't with us, please read it. But it says that he opened not his mouth. Isaiah prophesied and he said one day, one would come, would be crucified, would suffer the things Jesus suffered. And interestingly enough, in verse 7, it says he opened not his mouth. Twice. He said it twice. He wouldn't open his mouth. Why? Because if he would have said anything, he would have vindicated himself. He couldn't say a word. He remained silent for you and me. He said, I must do this. The pain, the grief, the agony we talked about last week. Every joint, every bone, every nerve, every fiber of his body was burning in pain. And all he had to do was say one word. And he would vindicate himself. And he chose to not do that. He chose to say, I'm going to stay here for Bob. And I'm going to do what needs to be done. And we understand that by this time, next Sunday, he will have already been resurrected. By Friday, which we call Good Friday, he would be be prepared to go to the cross. Remember it said last week, he rode into Jerusalem and he didn't, it didn't make sense. I'm sure the disciples must have gone. He said, guys, go get me a donkey. And I'm sure the guys are going, a donkey? No, no, a colt of a donkey. I don't even want a mature donkey. I want to have to hold my feet up. And I want to ride into Jerusalem as the king of the Jews and the king of glory. And I'm going to ride in on a donkey. Why? Why didn't he ride in on a stallion, a nice white stallion? Because the stallion, the white stallion, was the symbol of a conquering hero. But he chose a donkey. Because you see, the victory he was going to win wouldn't be a military victory. It would be a spiritual victory of brokenness. That it wouldn't be military and it wouldn't be political. In the world we're living in right now, God knows that we must get a hold of the reality of the resurrection life that has been invested in you and me. Because the solution to what's going on in America right now, and I don't care whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent, the solution for America right now is not political or military. It is a spiritual conquering of the human heart to see what Jesus did for us, that He loves us so deeply and so, so intimately and so graciously and and the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God come to be established in your heart and in my heart. And the glory, the, 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 to, to bear the truth about what really happened in your place and in my place. And I know this is not, you know, I know, we, you know, by 9 a.m. he's going to be on the cross. You see, they had the Passover meal. 
And he says, come, let's go to the garden. And he, let me show you a, a, a picture. He, he was in the city of Jerusalem. Give me the media if you can. Give me the picture. Media. He's, okay, watch this. Stay there. Over here in the corner, that's the, uh, that's the golden gate. There's the dome of the rock right now. That's the wall of Jerusalem, the ancient wall. Over here in the corner, you can barely see it in the corner, a little knob right here. That's called the sheep gate. And that gate is the gate that a trough runs from the where uh, Dome of the Rock is where the temple was, where the sacrifices were being made. And what they were doing that Friday night, what they were doing is they were sacrificing lambs. It prophesied, not full sheep, just lambs. Because the Old Testament prophesied that the Lamb of God would take away the sin of the world. While he's in the city with the disciples, and they've now had the Passover meal, he says, guys, come, let's go. Where are we going? We're going to go pray. And so what he does is Jesus goes to this side of the city, and he goes out this gate right here, which is called the Sheep Gate. And at the sheep gate, there was a trough. And that trough carried the blood of the lambs being sacrificed for Passover. When every individual brought a lamb, a sacrifice, a family would bring a lamb, as prophesied in the Old Testament. And that lamb would be sacrificed, its blood would be spilled, and the blood of the lambs for each family would run down that trough and out that gate. It would run out that gate and down into the brook Kidron, which is the brook below. Show them the next picture, please. That's looking from the sheep gate over to the Mount of Olives where those trees are. He comes out of the Passover meal he goes to the sheep gate and goes out the sheep gate walking across the trough with the blood of the lambs. He goes down that gate into the brook Kedron and up the side of the mountain to the Mount of Olives where he prayed, Father, if there's any way I can do this and save Bob and save you without going through this. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He rose, and in the garden, he came with the disciples, and the next thing you know, here's the soldier. They take him, they bind him, and that night, he goes through three trials. He's convicted by three courts. By 9 a.m. the next morning, well, before 9 a.m., he's standing with Pilate, and he's been tried, and finally Pilate says, take him and do what you need to do. And they take Jesus and they put him on the cross, 
And he gives his life as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That the sacrifice of God prophesied thousands of years was for you and for me. That we've been forgiven and God has loved us with an everlasting love and you understand that in the process of everything that we're going to celebrate next week, this was a miserable time. Jesus hung there on the cross. As I said last week, naked. And finally, when time's running out, one of the thieves turns and says, Jesus, would you remember me? And Jesus says, son, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. And it says a few moments later, Jesus hanging on the cross, looks down at John. Peter, 11 disciples are gone someplace else. And he turns to John and he says, John, Here's my mother. She's now your mother. And it's over. And he gave himself for you and for me, for us to understand that he loves us so much it's indescribable. And how can we keep playing church not saying you are? But how can we be so insensitive to realize how deeply he suffered and yet how passionately he loved? And he knew what nobody else would know, that they would bury him, they would put him in a tomb, they would wrap him all up, and he wouldn't be there. You see, all they had was what? The body. They didn't have him. All the world has is your body. All that's the question. You belongs to him. Now, that's the question. Is Jesus your personal Lord and Savior? Have have you given your life, have you surrendered your life to him the same way he surrendered his life for you? So many people understand or think they understand that surrendering your life to Jesus is say, here, I'm going to give you some control. I'll let you have this part of my life. No, it's a total surrender. People, I've had people over here say, don't say this because you're going to make them think that all they have to do is give part of their life. And you're going to make them think you have to give all of their life. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to give all of your life. Sorry. It's a full-on total commitment. Because if you don't, the world's going to win the race for your soul. Because the world knows that you can't compromise. You can't slack. What we're faced with right now in the days ahead is so difficult. It's so hard and it's so painful. And this is not an easy message for me to deliver. This is not easy because it, 
it, it, it's hard. It, I, you, know, I, you know, I want it to be easy, but it can never be easy. The question is, do you know where you're going when you die? Has Jesus died for you to have a personal relationship with him? That you let him come into your heart, let him come into your life? And if you have, then are you ready to live for him like you've never lived before? Because the world's coming for you. And I'm not so sure. And Barry goes, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait, wait, the world's coming for you. They're gunning for you. They don't like you. You, you. you declare Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you find out how many friends you lose. The world doesn't want what you want. And so the message of the gospel today is, do you know where you're going when you die? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? And are we telling others? Are we communicating to other people? Are we letting people know that Jesus is real and he's vibrant and he's alive and he can stir your soul and change your life? But you have to accept what he did in your place. Would you bow your heads? I want to ask you a question. Do you know where you're going when you die? And I didn't ask you if you're going to church. I didn't ask you if you, even if you've answered an altar call. Do you know where you're going when you die? Because if you don't, you know about Jesus, but you don't know him personally. And I want you to understand that the, the sorrow, the grief, the pain, the suffering that you are going through in your own life, you feel tormented, you feel separated, you, you, you don't feel any security. While, while the legal system and the justice system in the entire world, not just America, is completely out of control, the kingdom legal and justice system is in total control. Only where you let him be in charge. And if you don't know where you're going when you die, this is your chance. This is an opportunity for you to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, I've done this before, and I'm going to do it again. Let's say you leave here this morning, and you go out on the newly paved asphalt, and you get to the intersection of Gerard, and somebody's flying down Stetson on their cell phone, and they have a red light, but they can't see it. And you have a green light, and you're using it. And you get into the middle of the intersection, and lights are out. Do you know where you're going to be? Do you know for sure you're going to be with Jesus? If you don't, you may know about Jesus, but you haven't met him personally. And if you're not sure, and nobody looking, please, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not sure and you want to be sure, nobody else looking, you put your hand up. Yes, God bless you. You can put your hand up. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. Yes, God bless you. You can put your hand up. One last chance. Please, don't miss this opportunity. He loves you so much. He went through everything he went through that you might know his love. One more opportunity. 
anybody else. Please, I beg you, don't miss this. Yes, God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Got to do this one more time. Eternity is what's at stake. Please, this is your last chance. Count of three. One. Two. Two and a half. Three. Church, would you look up? We're going to pray this prayer. Pray it with me out loud. Father, in Jesus' name, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe he died on the cross. I believe God raised him from the dead. And I invite Jesus into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I accept eternal life in Jesus' name. Welcome to the family of God. Okay, as we go from here today, this is an opportunity. Just have a blast on Easter. Just remember at some point on Friday, no matter what you're doing, you have family or friends, just stop for a moment on Friday. Stop for a moment on Friday, if you can, no matter where you're at, at 9 a.m. And remember this. And before sundown, before sundown, he'll be off the cross They'll lay his body in the grave, but he won't be there. He's going to be in paradise, setting people free. Give God one more good praise. For those of you that looked up, Pastor Steve is over here in the corner and uh, right on this end chair right here. And if you, if you raised your hand and you want to know more about this, it's important that you do. And there are going to be people on this side of the line this morning to pray for you. Whatever your need is, physical, emotional, spiritual, Jesus died that he would come and touch your life in a very personal way. Okay? Would you stand? Thank you for enduring this today. Thank you. This is a hard word. But you know, it's absolutely necessary because next week, we are going to run it up the flagpole. And we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you for joining us today at DP City. We would love the opportunity to pray for you. And you could connect with us at dpcitypod at gmail.com. If you'd like to give tithes and offerings at DP City Church, you could do so on our website, www.dpcitychurch.com. We appreciate your support in this ministry and looking forward to seeing you on campus. Have a blessed day.